Welcome to the Business of Cloud Native. I'm your host, Emily O'Meer, and today I'm chatting with Yong Tang, one of the maintainers of Core DNS. Yong, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, too. If you could actually just start out by introducing yourself, introducing Core DNS, and sort of giving me an, an idea of the history of the project and then also your history with the project. Ah, uh, sure, sure. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining this podcast. My name is Yang Tang. I'm a maintainer of Core DNS. At CareerWise, I'm currently working for a company called Ivanti as a director of engineering for SI and DevOps operations. Outside of company, I mostly contribute to different uh, open source projects. Coding as obviously is one of the most important projects I've participated in. In addition to coding as, I'm also a maintainer of some other projects like Docker or TensorFlow, which backtrace into machine learning. But that's another story. And then just just in case listeners haven't or aren't familiar with it, tell us a little bit more about Core DNS and what it does and how it got started, sort of what the challenge originally intended to solve was and how it's evolved. Okay, sure, sure. Core DNS is a, it, it's actually an interesting project and uh, it's actually have a very interesting story. Core DNS started, I think, like uh, several years ago in 2016, around that time. Originally, it was written by Mick Chibben. He, he was original also of Core DNS. At that time, the original goal of Core DNS, at least uh, from Mick Chibben, is to have a way to configure, to easily customize DNS into a system. If you look into DNS, DNS by itself is a pretty popular protocol, but has been, it has been an old protocol. You'll see a lot of software like a Bind uh, or PowerDNS, which uh, has been used widely, but they all lack one thing. That is, if you want to do customization, it's very hard. You need to go into the C code, you need to write some plugin, and those plugins are not easily to be added if you want to do any customization. So at that time, Mink has the intention to do some customization on DNS, and uh, there's no such tool available, at least easy available. So he decided to work on to write a DNS in Golang. That's the start of DNS. When he gets started, he actually looked into another project called Caddy. That's another interesting story. Caddy is the ATP server written in Golang as well. And uh, Caddy has a very nice feature of a plugin base, which means that you can easily add new features if you know how to write in Go. So Mick's intention was that, okay, maybe he can fork the Caddy and uh, make some changes so that instead of focusing on HTTP, he's going to somehow make it work into a DNS server, which kind of interesting by itself. So initially the project getting started, Mick named the project as a Caddy DNS, which by itself sounds like a little bit silly. <laughs> and that's the start of the uh, core DNS, which was named, like I mentioned, was named as a Caddy DNS. Then around the late 2016, the company I worked for at the time, that's Infoblox. Infoblox has the interest in DNS and want to invest in open source in DNS areas. And also we, at that time, Infoblox has the uh, interest in Kubernetes. So we want to combine those two things. We look into different software and we realize, okay, so maybe there's some uh, common interest between mixed uh, DNS, which was a uh, DNS, and an Infoblock's own interest. So I was assigned by the company to work with Mick to get core DNS into Kubernetes. So at that time, we did some discussions and eventually 
I decided to rename the project as Cordinus. Uh, so that's the start of Cordinus, which kind of interesting. So at that time, Cordinus has not been bought into the Kubernetes ecosystem yet. But then we contributed to quite some code and to make the Cordinus working with the Kubernetes. So that's the start of Cordinus and uh, Kubernetes. And uh, no, the rest is the history about uh, CNCF. After some time, we decided to apply to CNCF uh, project membership. We get into CNCF as the uh, inception level at the beginning. I think after a year or so, we finally get to the graduated uh, status. So I think according as was, uh, was uh, the third or fourth project graduated. So which is quite a, quite a bit of achievement. If you consider coding itself, it's not a big project. So that's the interesting thing about coding as uh, to get started. <laughs> And why was uh, being part of the CNCF important? There are several things. You know, like, first of all, I think CNCF actually helped us a lot of things. One thing is that CNCF bringing a lot of publicity, that's for sure. Before Cordinus was, was bought into Kubernetes, people look at the Cordinus, oh, okay, that's a DNS server, great. But there are also some other DNS servers as well on the open source community, like Inbind like in PowerDNS and also DNS mask kill, which uh, was written in either uh, C or C++. CoreDNS is, uh, is a DNS server written in Golang. So that that actually kind of interesting. But when we combine with CNCF, CNCF will first of all bring a lot of resource to us so we can do a lot of more interesting things. CNCF sponsored some of the servers so we can do load testing through bare metal setups. CNCF also bought in the audit, a security audit. So we work with a security company in Germany, that's Q53. We were the first project to receive the security audit within CNCF ecosystem. By the way, Q53, uh, this company is by coincidence, has a name of 53, and 53 is a poor number for DNS. So maybe it's a coincidence, maybe just, uh, no, just <laughs> kind of interesting by itself. How do you feel like the project has evolved? It sounds like you've been involved pretty much, you know, almost from the beginning. And things like, you know, evolving to do Kubernetes service discovery, has that has been part of the evolution. So how has it changed from the sort of core goal at the beginning? Initially, like I mentioned, the core DNS initial goal was to provide a DNS server, allow people to easily do customizations in Golang. Uh, that's the initial goal. And then later on, we introduced uh, Kubernetes into the, the picture of CoreDNS, which certainly allow us to see explosive usage across the open source community. So that's one interesting thing. But later on, we noticed that people are using CoreDNS in many different ways. Uh, just, uh, and and uh, people are doing that for some reasons. As I mentioned, uh, you probably already see some old and stable DNS servers like a bind, like a power DNS, they're serving the DNS traffic really well, and uh, they are doing great. But they all lack one thing, it's customization. If you want to do make customization, it's a little bit troublesome. And also most of the previous DNS servers are normally geared toward users with deep DNS knowledge. DNS itself, the protocol can be very complicated. But most of the people getting into DNS, they may know a thing or two. Like, uh, no, and anyone probably knows, okay, I know DNS. It's uh, you have domain name, you map to an IP address. 
most of people probably think this way. And that's uh, that's the right mind. Uh, but if you want to be a DNS expert, you need to, to know a lot more RFCs, a lot more standards, which most of the time are not necessary. So people get into core DNS, mostly for users. They need to use DNS, but they don't know all the protocols of RFCs and no DNS expertise in this area. So that's one of the things that coding really helps. People know a thing or two about DNS. They want to use DNS in their infrastructure, in their cloud-native deployment, but they don't know DNS. And coding is a natural way of, it's a natural tool to help them. Just give you one example. One plugin in CoreDNS called Host. Host is a very simple plugin. Essentially, it allows you to say, if you have uh, dom- several domain names, let's say five domain names, and you have 10 IP addresses, you want to map five domain names to 10 IP addresses. So you can just write the write a host file, and you load that into CoreDNS, and CoreDNS can se- serve that for you, which sounds like a very, no, very easy and straightforward. Of course, that's not going to be enough if you want to serve com- complicated, uh, to serve a complicated DNS server. But... Most of people probably that's good enough. But one interesting usage we noticed is that uh, one user actually come to us say they use a host file to serve like I think like a ten ten thousand domain names with like uh, fifteen thousand IP addresses, and they use a host file and they seem to be fine. And they were asking about if this is the right way to do that. Actually, it surprised me because initially when I wrote the host plugin, I thought people only going to use this one for probably 10 domain names and 20 IP addresses. Very lightweight, but people using that in a different way. I actually asked the question, say, okay, if you have so many domain names and so many IP addresses, maybe you should set up a database and why are coding as with database or maybe with some persistent storage? But the answer is it's also very, very straightforward. Because he does not want to maintain the database. He doesn't want to maintain a persistent storage. He doesn't want to deal with all that. But he has a straightforward domain name and IP address. He just wants to make it working for his uh, environment. And that, in that case, coding has been doing really well. So that's a very good example. So my response at the time was, well, if it works, so that certainly is great, right? Did you originally envision that this would be a tool for people who didn't really understand or didn't really know much about DNS? Honestly, that was a surprise to me. I mean, initially I thought, though, if people are going to use DNS, they're going to have at least a decent knowledge on DNS. At that time, I saw the core DNS was mostly a tool, DNS tool, just like other DNS servers, except it's written in Golang, which certainly helps uh, helps us avoiding certain issues like security vulnerabilities. But I didn't really envision that CoreDNS became a so easy to use tool for many people not familiar with DNS, but still want to use DNS. And one thing to keep in mind, I mean, DNS might be, if you want to get into DNS, it's very easy. I mean, any people with some basic knowledge of networking probably knows DNS. But if you want to go into really deep, it requires years of uh, study and knowledge. But for many people, that's probably not necessary. And that's exactly the, the advantage of core DNS. It's so easy to use, especially for uh, people not familiar with uh, the deep knowledge in DNS itself. Have there been other sort of really surprising ways that people have used uh, core DNS that you didn't 
expect and even that might have impacted how you how you changed the direction of the project? It's actually, yeah, I probably can give another example of uh, CoreDNS plugins. One plugin that's ACL. Actually, initially we thought, like I said, we thought that's just a DNS. But DNS itself, as I mentioned, it's a simple protocol to, to get started. It's also complicated. But there's another unintended consequence of DNS. Because DNS is very much essential to your overall networking infrastructure. So anything you want to get started, you probably need DNS. And as such, almost like a first contact whenever you have, uh, let's say, a server or you have some devices. That's actually give you a lot more power to, to do additional things. One thing is for security. Many people actually come to us and say they want to see a, a white list or black list to, to just allow DNS to be tied to a security. So just an example, say, okay, uh, if you have, a, let's say if you're IT admin, you want to block a certain website, you can certainly configure the firewall certainly configure some very expensive devices, but one easier way to do, not necessarily to, to be a perfect way, but one easier way to do is, you can just uh, add several entries in as ACO, ACO plugin, DNS record are blocked. It also blocks the traffic. So that actually helps secure your infrastructure, networking infrastructure, not necessarily the best way, but actually provide certain protections. And how has the way that you talk about core DNS changed? I know that on the website, it still says, you know, core DNS is a DNS server. Has the way that, that the project is described changed or evolved over the course of the past several years? Like I said, initially, core DNS was supposed to be just uh, easy to use DNS server that allow people to customize it. Over the years, we added the Kubernetes plug, uh, Kubernetes integration, which bring CoreDNS as a default DNS server for Kubernetes. Now, by default, if you use Kubernetes, you're going to see CoreDNS powered up and running, which certainly helps. There are also some additional things that actually change CoreDNS a little bit. We also bought in cloud integrations. Uh, for example, we have we actually have integrations with um, AWS RoadFace 3, with uh, Google Cloud DNS, with Azure DNS. Those things actually allow people to deploy their cluster in a cloud agnostic way. So for example, if we have a cluster in, let's say in AWS, and you want to sync up the data with uh, some another, another cluster in Google Cloud, you actually can use CoreDNS as a bridge to serve that. So in this way, CoreDNS actually allows you to help you to deploy in a hybrid cloud or multi-cloud environment, which is definitely now something I envisioned at the beginning. I saw DNS at the beginning Why? look at DNS, I saw, okay, that's just a DNS server, but people have many different ways of doing that. And with the explosive growth of a cloud native for ecosystem, we see a lot more usage almost every day. And the people continue to bring in new ideas we're using that. And I would like to say the biggest advantage for CoreDNS is that it is too easy to get involved. I think I can probably show another example. In quite a few Kubicons, I demoed people to write Golang code to write customer customer plugin for CoreDNS. And the total length of uh, custom plugin is 80 lines of code. So that's eight zero lines of code. And that's all you need to write a plugin. So as many people look into that, they realize they really can do a lot more things with CoreDNS with probably just like a 
maybe 100 line of code, 200 line of code, and they probably, if they're, you know, they're good enough, they probably can spend like one or two days and get the job done with all kind of, uh, all kind of customization they want. So they are really interested in this project and they get involved. So I think that's the biggest advantage of Cordina's. Excellent. Yeah. And I was just thinking that perhaps talking also about service discovery is, it sounds like that's probably like a little bit of a change that happened at some point in CoreDNS's history. The service discovery is also an interesting point. Initially, when we talk about service discovery, that's actually the early discussions about uh, bringing CoreDNS into Kubernetes. So we said, okay, we need a service discovery. So because you need an entry point for any service exposed. So we pass that in. Later on, we noticed that a service discovery could be an interesting point for many people because uh, if we look into that, many people actually ask me a question. So, okay, uh, nowadays you have uh, SDNs, uh, everything has been virtualized. If you want, you can have a virtual IP anywhere you want. What's the purpose of DNS? Why do you still need a DNS record as uh, indirection to serving your network traffic? And after quite a few years working on CoreDNS, I think one advantage of CoreDNS, of DNS protocol itself, is that DNS is a very simple protocol to start with. And it's also a distributed system that many people didn't realize. Why I mentioned DNS as a distributed system is that the whole inter internet scales up really well and based on the DNS infrastructure. And if you look into protocol itself, it's actually a simple protocol solve a complicated problem. And that's actually a good thing. I mean, certainly no one wants to solve a simple problem with a complicated solution, right? But coding has actually solved a complicated problem in a simple way so that you can easily scale up. And uh, DNS scales up really well. So that's one of the biggest advantage. Like a lot of people, when they get into DNS, they say, okay, that's just a simple protocol. So what else? It's like a domain name plus IP address, that's all. Of course, if you want to go really deep, you can do a lot more things. But if you, all you need to do is to do service discovery, it can do it for you. But many times, service discovery solve a problem for you. For example, you want to migrate from one cloud to another. You can certainly try to change your SDN, change your networking, change all kinds of things. But if you just add DNS as the indirection, and from user point of view, they probably didn't notice anything. And all you need to do is to change A or code A that's pointing the DNS domain to an IP address from one cloud vendor to another, and the user probably is, is already enjoying the benefit of, benefit of being served by another cloud vendor, which is actually a good thing. So those are the things that actually make things easy. A migration could be complicated from one cloud vendor to another, but with DNS, that's such a simple way. So that's one of the things I always emphasize. DNS is an indirection, but you probably want to have this indirection just to make your life easier in case in the future you want to change anything. And that's, uh, I think that's one of the reasons that people just love to add uh, DNS as a general solution, even though nowadays you have all kinds of networking virtualizations to help achieve your goal. And where do you see CoreDNS going in the future? Uh, what does the sort of roadmap look like? I think CoreDNS, one thing with CoreDNS is that we certainly want to provide a, a additional usage, but we do want to, to see the use case first. 
we over the years we added a lot more interesting plugins like ACL, which is serving the security need. We also have the integration with uh, different uh, solutions. But I think one thing that uh, we are looking into is uh, additional automation. For example, just say the certificate management. I mean, many people would say, okay, you want to manage certificate. How are you going to do that? In many companies, this is uh, in the past that used to be handled by one, you know, one person, one employee dedicated to renew certificate once every several months for different things, which could be manual, could be troublesome. And if these people leave the company, you're probably going to scramble just to figure out what exactly is the DNS, is the domain name you need to renew for a uh, certificate. But nowadays, with things like ACME Challenge, which is a protocol that allows the Let's Encrypt to grant you a certificate. If you can show you own this domain, this really helps automation. So just give example. You can say, I have a domain name, let's say xyz.com. You want to renew certificate. In the past, you need to probably write some emails or maybe just pay some price to do that. And you need to have some person to do that manually. But we say, say, ACME challenge. All you need to do is just uh, set up a DNS server. The Let's Encrypt will return back sequence number. If you can place this sequence number into a DNS server, the export to pub to outside. Let's Encrypt will figure out you actually own this domain, like xyz.com. And in that case, they will, they will just grant you the certificate. And my description is that the whole process can be fully automatic. You don't need someone to, to handle email or handle all kinds of uh, documentations to just get the certificate renewed. Everything can be done automatically. That's the thing I think we want to focus on is to continue improve the automation to reduce humans' involvement for anything related to DNS or even related to domain name or identity. And how important do you think that Kubernetes is going to continue to be for core DNS? I think uh, Kubernetes... Uh, Certainly, it's very important to core DNS for various reasons. You know, core DNS saw explosive usage in Kubernetes. And for many people, they consider Kubernetes as a default platform if they're for infrastructure engineers and SIEs. So if you can provide a tool or provide a software that actually depends on Kubernetes itself, uh, many people will naturally grow a lot of interest and they are going to look into your software and uh, try to figure out if this is the best way to do that. They may contribute additional code. They may help you fixing bugs. They may think of some, some of the interesting use cases so that it can expand your software. So I think that from that standpoint, Kubernetes really helps core DNS a lot. It actually is one of the most important drive force for core DNS to grow and see explosive growth for the past several years. And then uh, can you tell me a little bit about why you in particular uh, wanted to get involved with Core DNS and why has this been important for you? Okay, like I said, when I got started, at that time I was working for Infolog, which is a company specialized in DNS. So I was assigned to, <laughs> to do this job, but that's just a part of the story because you know, now I work for another company. I still have lots of interest in Core DNS. And, uh, I contribute to coding as regularly for different reasons. There are several reasons for, for me to continue working for coding as even though now I work for a different company. 
one, I think coding as a project itself is an interesting project. I always stick, stay with simplicity. So I like things uh, simple. I don't like to work for a complicated project that's only solve a simple problem. I like a simple, I like a project with simple solutions solve a complicated problem. That's one. Two, I think a core team itself, even though there are some, you know, there are some help from different companies, but overall core team itself is still an open source project, largely backed by independent contributors. This is actually in sharp comparison with uh, many, many open source projects within CNCF. In CNCF, you see a lot of, lot of projects actually are sponsored by one company uh, or maybe one company throughout many maintainers or contributors to this project. But for Core DNS, this is largely contributed by independent contributors. Mick, uh, he was originally the author. He continued to be independent. And for me, at least at the moment, I'm still contributing to Core DNS as an independent contributor. Anything else that you'd like to add about Core DNS or about the project's evolution and how things have evolved in ways that, that were not necessarily expected at the beginning? I think I summarized several things already. So like I said, at the beginning, Core DNS was named as a Caddy DNS. And this is just so mimics a Caddy HTTP server. So by itself, it's kind of amazing to see a Meek somehow managed to convert a HTTP server into a DNS server. And the one thing that I want to point out is that even today, you could still see some of the code including as roughly mentioned the caddy. So many people ask the question, how does the caddy related to coding as? And I can say, okay, that's because initially coding as was really a fork of caddy HTTP server, although they are serving different purposes. One is for HTTP, another is for DNS. Excellent. And then how can people uh, learn more or follow you, learn more about Core DNS? Core DNS repo is uh, very active. Most of the maintainers uh, on the GitHub. So if you have any questions, you can certainly just uh, go into GitHub and uh, you can post an issue. You can ask the questions. Uh, and also for, for most of the Kubi accounts, we do have maintainers to give talks in, in Core DNS. And when we give talks, we normally demo some of the code uh, in Golang and they don't worry. And most of the code are very simple. So if you want to, let's say, write a plugin, like I mentioned, you probably only need like uh, 50 to 80 lines of code to get that done. So it's very easy to learn and it's very easy to get involved. So anyone want to, to get into coding as you can certainly listen or participate in Kubicon or you just go into GitHub. That's very easy. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining me. This was a fabulous conversation. It's my pleasure. I think that's uh, it's great to see this opportunity to allow audiences to learn a little bit about CoreDNS and its history. I think that's a pretty good story, an amazing story for CoreDNS. Excellent. Hi again, and thanks for listening to the Business of Cloud Native. This is Emily again. In case you didn't already know, I'm a positioning consultant who specializes in working with companies in the cloud native and open source ecosystem. If you are having trouble explaining what your company does, who it's best for, and even more importantly, if your prospects can't seem to understand what you do, what value you provide, or whether or not they're even a right fit for your company, 
you might have a positioning problem. If you think you do, head on over to emilyomir.com to see if some of my positioning information can help and or if you might be interested in working together. Thank you and have a great day.